Dear church family, our text this morning is Hebrews 11, verse 23. We want to focus narrowly on this verse this morning. By faith, Moses, when he was born, <clears throat> was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. With God's help, I want to speak to you this morning about rearing children by faith. We'll look at the parents of faith, the principle of faith, and the power of faith. Parents, principle, and power of faith. So our text this morning is not first of all, about Moses, even though it says, by faith, Moses. If you read it superficially, you, you might think, well, Moses had faith when he was just born, and so his parents hid him. But obviously, if you read it carefully, you understand that this is talking about the faith of Moses' parents. There's an intimate connection However, between verse 23 and verse 24, verse 24 also begins with, by faith Moses, but it says, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, you see, the connection is this. When Moses was able to think for himself and act for himself, By the grace of God, he believed for himself, following the example and the footsteps of his parents. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Oh, dear parents, isn't that your wish for your baptized children this morning? That as they grow up, they would refuse to be called the daughter or the son of this wicked world. Let us pray that our children, all of our children, would be so protected and guided and instructed by the words and by the walk of us as parents and grandparents that our little ones, as they grow up, would see the contrast between the world and the godly and refuse to join the world. You see, God uses parents as a primary means in His kingdom to impact the lives of children. He fulfills his covenant promises, but he does that through means. He does that through preaching. He does that through fellowship. He does that through prayer, but he also does it through parents. What we cannot give our children, God can give our children through our example. Isn't that amazing? And how many millions and millions and millions of boys and girls throughout the centuries. 
could say when their parents died, God used my dad. God used my mom. God used both of my parents for my conversion as well. So when Moses was too young, too helpless to exercise faith in the God of Israel, his parents did what all godly parents must do. They shouldered his responsibility for him. They took up his religious interests for him. And they actually exercised faith in the God of promise on his behalf. And that's really what you're doing this morning, parents, by confessing, by bringing your children to the baptismal font. You're taking over that responsibility for them. They're under your domain now. You're to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as you well know. And this is one of the great comforts, actually, of infant baptism. God gives promises to believing parents of covenant children. And these promises, you see, ought to move you to look forward with expectation to the day when these promises will be fulfilled. In Pray God in all of your children. Pray God that that beautiful text in, I believe it's Jeremiah, all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, will be your experience by God's grace. Now, verse 23, in our text, we read of Moses' parents. But in Exodus, in the parallel account, the Holy Spirit speaks only of Moses' mother. Now, it must be obvious to us all, of course, that a mother has an incredibly critical task to perform in rearing a child for God. Outside of the ministry of God's Word, I really believe there's no more important task in the world than being a mother. What, what a pity. What a pity that there are forces in society today denigrating the high role of the mother. But of course, our society today denigrates everything that's sacred, that's high. It denigrates ministers, it denigrates mothers, it denigrates marriage, it denigrates the happy Christian family. That's what our society does because it's ungodly and wicked and is living contrary, directly contrary as a whole to the principles of Scripture. But the Bible tells us that not only Moses' mother was godly, he also had an influential father. And Moses' father was also involved in the beautiful story of Moses' infancy. And surely this teaches us that believing fathers must be wholly supportive of believing mothers in the rearing of children. The relationship between a godly man and his godly wife is really what sets the atmosphere of the home. It's not just how you rear your children. It's how you 
does mom and dad, does husband and wife relate to each other? If your children see a pattern of godliness between the two of you and in each of you as individuals, as parents, they will be used to breathing in the atmosphere of godliness. That, that can have a profound impact on them. And there's something beautiful about that. Something beautiful about that. You know, when you grow up, isn't this true, boys and girls? Whatever your mom and dad are like, at least I was that way. I thought all moms and dads were like my mom and dad. And this is just the way to live. This is all you know. And when that example you see is godly, when they see their parents depending on God all the time, every day, in prayer, and when God is the center of the home, center of the conversation, center of the prayer life, you see, a child is then nurtured in the fear, in the admonition of the Lord, grows up in the, in the greenhouse of God's Word and God's presence, protected from the elements outside that could destroy the, the tender plant. And I guess I can say it in two words. Home matters. Home matters. How you respond to your children, how you live as husband and wife, how you talk to them, how you solve problems, how you bring God into the picture. Home matters. So I want to look with you. I want to look with you at the cooperation of Moses' father and mother with the eternal purposes of God. In a way, Moses' parents are mentors for us today. Mentors for parenting. Mentors because, first of all, they are people. They're people of faith. Just who are they then? Can you name? Boys and girls, can you name Moses' father? Moses' mother? Well, the Bible actually even though most of us struggle to remember their names, the Bible actually mentions Moses' father's name 14 times, but mostly in genealogy listings. His name was Amram. Amram. And his mother was Jochebed. Her name is actually only two times in the Bible. And yet Amram, in a way, is standing in the shadow of Jochebed. And in the shadow of his children. Just a bit. He's referred to as the husband of Jochebed. And as the father of Moses. Maybe some of you men know how that feels sometimes. To, to stand in the shadow a little bit of your wife and, and, and your children. And if you're not known because of your wife. You might, you might also become known because of your children. God can do wonderful things. Hamram and Jochebed would never have imagined that they would have Moses who would lead the people of Israel. You, you, you don't know what your children will do one day. Maybe you will be known as the parents of your children. Because God can do great exploits through godly children. What a blessing. What a blessing this is. 
And what a blessing that Amram and Jacobed raised three children and they were all saved. They were people of faith and their children were people of faith. They raised Moses, they raised Aaron, they raised Miriam. And they all became noteworthy for their faith, even though they stumbled at times. God bless this family. God bless these people of faith. But Moses in particular became, may I say it this way, one of the greatest believing men that the world has ever seen. No one hardly known for greater spiritual meekness than Moses, the Bible tells us. Now, these people of faith were living about 65 years, it seems, after Joseph's death when they had Moses. They were living when another king, Pharaoh, another Pharaoh had arisen who did not know Joseph. In fact, this new Pharaoh was afraid of the strange and alien way that this alien race was multiplying and becoming a threat, he thought, to his own throne. The Israelites were multiplying. So he was beginning to see Israelites and Egyptians as being in conflict with one another. And because they were rapidly multiplying and had the very best land in all of Egypt, for they were given the land of Goshen, which was a great place for farmers, they were also gifted as farmers. And they were getting rich. So they were a threat to Pharaoh. And the children of Abraham were, were good at these things. They were gifted. And so he decided he'd work out a scheme to keep them from getting more powerful. He said, I'm going to kill every newborn male child. Every child that's a male. If I can kill all the boys, I'll destroy the backbone of this nation. It won't be a threat to me. And so he said to the midwives, when you deliver babies, if it's an Israelite baby, you kill it. No ifs, ands, or buts. You just kill it. But the midwives refused. So then he commanded his officers to throw the Israelitish male babies in the Nile River. What a day to have a baby. What a day to have a baby. It seems impossible. I wonder how many conversations Amran and Jacob had had. I wonder how many times they said to each other when she was pregnant. Oh, Amram, let's just pray that this is a girl. That we can have a child that won't be thrown in the Nile. Or did they just live by faith? Well, it seems they lived by faith. And 
This is, this is an important concept with practical applications today, not just because of abortion. But really what's happen, is happening today is that the Egyptian world around us, if I may use that symbolically of worldliness and wokeness and cancel culture and uh, transgenderism and homosexuality and all the insane ideas coming out today, they want your children. They want to throw them into the Nile of everlasting destruction. They want to drown them in the philosophy of our day. It's a terribly difficult time to bring up children. And maybe, maybe even as parents you say, what are we going to do? There's so many forces arrayed against our children. And there are. There are. But Amram and Jacobet, though they must have asked questions, what's going to happen to this baby? We are expecting. They respond with faith. Even though the servants of Pharaoh are standing ready with outstretched hands to kill that baby from the day it was born. This is faith. So, these are the people of faith. And that leads me then to my second point. The principle, the principle of faith. The way faith works. The way faith works in them. And there's, there's two things that stand out about Amram and Jacobet here. The first is negative. The second is positive. The first is, notice that what the text says, they were not afraid of the king's commandment. What? What? All these male babies are being thrown in the Nile. And they, by faith... We're not afraid of the king's commandment. Now this is amazing. How is such faith possible? Well, only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. By the grace of God, both Amram and Jacobed possessed saving faith which works by love and which always looks to God who is almighty. And they believe that the living God was stronger than Pharaoh's officers and was able to deliver their new baby from the clutches of the enemy. They saw the authority of Pharaoh, and yet above the authoritative throne of Pharaoh, they see the sovereignty of the throne of Jehovah, the I am that I am. And so they trust. They pray something like this, no doubt. If God wills, our child can live, for God is in control. You know, that's such a comfort when you can say that, parents. Think about all the things against your child, your child's own heart, your own weaknesses, the world, friends that might lead them astray. So many things. The media today, the liberalism that is clamoring for them. And you say, if God wills, by the grace of God, this child can truly live and be a child of God. Because the power of God is greater than the power of all the enemies. And He's a covenant-keeping, faithful God. 
Well, Moses and Jacobet used the means. So for three months, I don't know how they did it. The Bible doesn't tell us. But for three months, they kept this baby at home and kept the baby hidden. Didn't bring the baby outside. Didn't want the baby to fall into the hands of Pharaoh's officers for three months. But as the baby gets older, it's hard to do. Baby's lungs get stronger. Cries get louder. Soon someone, some neighbor is going to discover they've got a male child. And that neighbor probably will report them to Pharaoh's officers. I mean, that's the way things went at that time. So it's not going to become easier. They can't hide him forever. Baby Moses is going to grow up. So, no doubt sometimes Jochebed would have to put her mouth over, or her hand over Moses' mouth. Oh, the problem. This problem had to be addressed. It had to be addressed by faith. But what could they do by faith to protect their child? Oh, that's the second thing. This is the positive side. Faith takes action. Faith always takes action. Faith is not dead. It's living. And what they do is something very strange. They commit their baby, child Moses, to the river of death. To the very Nile where the enemies were killing the male Israelitish children. See, they believe that the God of Israel is mightier than the God, the Egyptian gods of the Nile. And they believe that this God can protect their child. And so they get a, a little watertight basket. They cover it. They put pitch in it. And they, they, put him, they put him in the last place you would expect that they would ever go. The last place that Pharaoh would expect to find a little male baby. They launch him down the river, on the river, where the children are being thrown to enemies, drowning, or being thrown to the alligators. They put him in the river of death. There's a beautiful spiritual anti-type here that we can perhaps stretch too far, but doesn't it remind you of this text in John Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, it die, it abideth alone. You see, deep down, deep down, it's as if they put him in the way of death, but they believe in the prince of life. They believe in the prince of life. The, the, the wheat must fall into the ground and die from their side, but then God would raise it and keep it. Faith goes to work. Faith plans. Faith goes down into the bulrushes. Faith takes the rushes out from the riverside. Faith beats them out into the marvelously strong papyrus and woves it, weaves it into a miniature little ark. Must have been a very little ark, don't you think? You know, you wonder. I wondered anyway when I thought about this. Were Amran and Jochebed thinking about the Ark of Noah 
in a hostile day when everyone was against Noah and everyone was going to die just about. And they made a little ark for the little boy on the Nile. And they launched him out into the waters just as Noah's large ark was launched. Just trusting God. Their faith ventured on God. And now while they were building the ark, this little ark, you can be sure they were working in another direction as well. Even before they began to weave that little ark. They were moving in a vertical direction. Lord, bless. Bless all our prayers. Bless the means that we're going to use. The strange means we're going to use by faith. And you see, that's exactly what we face today in rearing covenant children. Isn't that true? You, the world says, oh, prayer is a silly thing. God doesn't exist. And uh, the last thing in the world you want to do is form and brainwash the minds of your child, children with, uh, with, with the things of God, the things of the Bible. The Bible's an old-fashioned book full of errors and you don't want to do it. You want, you want your child to be free to think his own thoughts and go his own way. And uh, if you want some religion, fine. If he doesn't, fine. No, no. We, do, we don't. We live by faith. By faith in the Word of God. And so we trust God. We trust His Word. And we believe in prayer. We believe God hears the cries of the needy. We believe God's a covenant-keeping God. We believe like, like Ambrose said to Augustine's mother Monica, a child of many prayers will not perish. The world laughs at us. But let the world laugh. We raise our children in this world, may I say it this way, on the Nile of death. The world that is reaching out its hands to take hold of them and destroy them. And so we go to prayer, even as we use the means of faith. Prayer itself is a means of faith. Oh God, save this child on the Nile of death. Claim this child, Lord, for thyself. And let us claim this child for thee as well through prayer. So, The point I'm making is that Amram and Jacobed raised Moses on the principle of faith. Faith sent them to work. Faith sent them to prayer. Faith without works is dead. Theirs was a living faith. And in that living faith, they saw three things. They saw three things. They saw, first of all, potential. They saw he was a proper child. This has been translated many different ways. It's a, it's a challenging word in the Greek. Sometimes Some translations have it as, he was a goodly child. Uh, it wasn't just the idea that he was healthy and robust. But there was something about that child that both of them felt God had a purpose for this child. This child was not just seemed ordinary to them. God was going to use this child, they thought, in his redemptive plan somehow. He will protect this child. God will raise him for a useful purpose as a covenant child 
of the Most High God. He was a goodly child. Not just, not just in a natural way, but in a spiritual way. He'll have a special role in God's kingdom purposes. How they don't know. So they see potential. They see a life given to them. And a life spared for three months already, despite the baby obviously cried in those three months. God's protected them thus far. And they pleaded on that. This is a goodly child. Let us train him. Let us train her for God. That's what you've got to do, parents. You see this child, so beautiful, yet so stained by sin, coming, growing up in your, under your roof, under your instruction. Oh God, use this child for thy redemptive purposes. Not only let this child be born again, but let this child impact others for good. Let this child be salt in the earth and light on the hill. See potential. See potential. God is a God of covenant purposes. And secondly, their faith saw danger. They, they weren't just hiding their head in the sand. They knew, they knew that Pharaoh wanted little Moses. They knew that Moses is born under the threat of death and condemnation. And so they, they trust God, but they're not oblivious to the very real danger that any day, any day, someone can snatch him away. And then thirdly, they saw by faith a pathway, the pathway of possibility. Pathway wasn't the manial that they were putting him on. It wasn't the little ark that they built. The pathway was the promise of God, the covenant faithfulness of God. They acted, says the Scripture, on the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, not by sight, but by faith. By faith they did this. Now, that doesn't mean they knew everything that was going to happen. doesn't mean they didn't have moments of fear, great fear. doesn't mean also, on the other side, that they're just asked acting mystically by putting little baby Moses on the Nile. No, there was reason, there was thoughtfulness, there was planning, there was hope, there was trust. They weighed the possibilities. And then they put Miriam standing close by. Now, that shows their faith too, because there was a plan, you see. If Pharaoh's daughter or someone else came down and wanted to take the baby away then Miriam was always there to intercept and say, well, shall I find a, a nursing mother for the child? And of course, you know that's what happened, right? Something wonderful happened in the providence of God. And so, parents, what you're doing this morning is not irrational. It's not mystical. It's, it's believing by faith that the water placed on the forehead of your child is symbolic of the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that God is able and willing to take your child and cleanse that child, give that child a new heart, wash away all of that child's sins, 
and protect that child. And you, however, are standing close by. You're hovering over that child. Yes, of course. And when the world reaches out to lay hold of that child, you, you have answers. You have answers based on the Word of God. And you're praying that God will bless your efforts, your efforts of faith to protect your, your child. And that leads me then, just very briefly, to the last thought, the power, the power of faith. The power of faith. Moses became a remarkable man. His parents never, in their wildest, wildest imaginations of faith, even though, even though they saw he was a goodly child, would have imagined the kind of man that Moses would become. And yet in the actions they took, they were cooperating with God. It's amazing. Miriam comes, speaks to the Egyptian princess. And all Moses did was cry. And when the little ark was opened up, and the Egyptian princess saw him crying, she was touched. You see, God is doing things here that Moses and Jacobed could not orchestrate. God stands with his orchestration, or his orchestra, I might even say, and plays music that we can't imagine when we follow him. His ways are above our ways. He does wonderful things. She was touched. What are, what are we going to do with this crying baby, she's thinking. And suddenly there's, there's Miriam. All according to Moses and Jacobin's plan now. Uh, can, I, can I get a nurse for the baby? Oh, yes, the princess says. Get a nurse. And where does she go for the nurse? Mommy, the princess has come. You want to be a nurse for your baby? <laughs> it's ironic. It's, it's stupendous. It's overwhelming. Come and see your baby, mother. And, and, and you, can, you can nurse the baby. And we don't know how long Jacobed took care of Moses. Some think it was until only when he was three years old because of the weaning of child was children at that time was, was longer than today. Other commentators say, no, it must have been quite a bit longer. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter probably just let, let Jacobed raise him up into his teen years. But Whatever the case may be, you see, God blessed the plan of Joseph, of, of Jacobet and, and, and um, Amram in such a way, in such a way that he did ex- over and above what they could imagine or think. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can imagine or think. That's the power of God blessing the faith of his people. So Jacobed and Amram have Moses in their home for the most formative years of his life and all the other male babies around them are being thrown into the Nile and he becomes this marvelous man of God learned in all the wisdom of Egypt but learned first of all in the wisdom and fear of God which is the beginning of wisdom in any age and God uses him to deliver a whole nation.
and to write the first five books of the Bible. Where will we be without those five books today? Where will we be without Moses today? You see the power of faith and blessed in the hand of God. Parents believe in God. They believe in the power of faith. They believe in His Word. And don't let the world influence you with its irrationality. But trust in God. Wherever you go, whether it's to Central Asia or whether it's staying here in Grand Rapids, it's an Egyptian world everywhere. You need God everywhere. And trust your child in the ark of his salvation, Jesus Christ. One last thing I want to leave you with before we close. At the end of Deuteronomy, God says something absolutely beautiful about Moses. Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. It says this, Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. That's what you want for your children. Isn't that true? You want them to know the Lord in the mirror of Jesus Christ face to face. I have no greater joy than this, says John, that my children walk in the truth. And to walk in the truth is to walk in the way of Him who says, I am the way, I am the life, I am the truth. It's to walk face to face with God. In Coram Deo, in the face of God. Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Don't you love those words? Oh, what a, what a blessing. I think Amram and Jochebed would look at each other and say, Moses turned out so much better than we raised him. It's the grace of God. God's doing great things through Moses that we never imagined. Oh, the grace of God. Yes. But it was all also through them. Through faith. Parents of faith. People of faith. Principles of faith. Power of faith. God blesses the faith of His own people. And rewards it. Graciously. O woman, he says in the New Testament, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. Dear parents, are we as parents, as grandparents, as great-grandparents, are we people of faith? Do we act out of principles of faith? Do we exercise the power of faith? God help us to do so. Amen. Gracious God, please bless this simple sermon. Bless the simplicity of faith. Bless our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Be our covenant-keeping God. We need Thee, Lord. 
We need thee. Come and bless us. From generation to generation. Fulfill thy promises. As our children sail on the Nile of death in this wicked world, keep them in the ark of salvation and help us to rear them when death is happening all around on the principle of life and the principle of faith. Let thy kingdom come. Bless these four sets of parents. Bless the children baptized. Bless the siblings. But bless every child in this congregation. Every teenager. Oh God. Be with those parents sitting here right now who say, my children didn't turn out better than I raised them. They went their own way. They broke everything I trained them in. Where is this covenant-keeping God? Oh, Lord, help them. Help them not to give up on thy covenant promises. Help them to understand that Manasseh was converted 15 years after Hezekiah died. Help them to understand that God can still bring their covenant children like prodigals back home to them. Lord, bring the prodigals home. Fulfill thy covenant mercies, we pray. Be a wonder-working God also in these precious families. And give, even now, when the children are far gone, faith to pray, to plead on a covenant-keeping God. We ask all this. In Jesus' name, amen.